Payments Journal podcast. And here is your host, Ryan Mack. Welcome to the Payments Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Mack. Now, digital modernization. We certainly talk a lot about it on Payments Journal and for good reason. Now, no one can deny that digital acceleration is occurring and that items that were once thought of as nice-to-haves have turned into table stakes almost overnight. So how does this translate to the corporate banking arena? What are the tools that corporate banks need to implement in order to not only keep up with competition but win new clients? And how can banks that run on legacy systems thrive in a digital-focused environment? So to unpack these questions and more, I'm joined by John Farrell, who is the Senior Vice President of Product at Volante Technologies, and Steve Murphy, who is the Director of the Commercial and Enterprise Payments Advisory Service at Mercator Advisor Group. Now, we are going to be referencing some data in this podcast here, and all of the data that we're going to be talking about is coming from a co-sponsored white paper entitled Digital Modernization in Corporate Banking that was written by Mercator Advisor Group and Volante Technologies, and you're going to be able to download that report in the article below. So there's certainly a lot of data and insight to unpack on today's episode. So without any further delays, let's start the show. So John and Steve, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode where we're going to be taking a look at digital modernization and in particular in corporate banking. Um, Now, Steve, before we begin today's conversation, I know that Mercator Advisor Group has this very interesting chart uh, kind of taking a look at what we're going to be unpacking here today. So perhaps maybe you could kind of uh, unpack this chart for our audience and pull out some of kind of the the key highlights um, here. And for those of you who are following along on paymentsjournal.com, you're going to be able to view this chart that we're referencing in the article below. Uh, so Steve, perhaps you could unpack this for us. Sure. All right. What I'll do is I'll start with uh, sort of an overview of what, um, you know, why we're in this situation where modernization is really required. And then I'll reference back to the chart and how that fits in with all of that. So, you know, th- there's a few factors contributing to this uh, scenario we're in right now for a, sort of a modernization push. And we can start with record low interest rates in this environment, which is now more more than a 10-year trend. Um, and although recently exacerbated by uh, pol- policy responses to uh, the pandemic, um, you've got record low net interest margins. Uh, last time we saw anything near 4% across all asset classes was uh, back in 2010. And we don't see this trend you know, changing much anytime soon. So... Um, that places added pressure on non-lending bank businesses to increase their contributions and creates also institutional pressure to improve efficiency ratios to uh, reduce uh, or improve margins, I should, should say. Then there is uh, the continued rapid advancement of financial technology, you know, the creation of new opportunities across industry verticals, and that includes financial services, but there's also the rise in non-bank competitors that have their sites uh, set on business banking expansion uh, using more modern experiences. So lots of banks actually still struggle with the legacy environments. It's not <clears throat> it's not only more expensive to uh, maintain, but not flexible enough to adapt quickly to new products and servicing needs. And then another factor involved is uh, in this whole modernization trend is sort of this palpable shift in customer demand to move towards more integrated and end-to-end digital uh, corporate banking experiences and services and away from the sort of traditional siloed transaction services. And that demand is just going to increase as generational workforce uh, transitions continue to happen. So how that fits back with the 
uh, chart. This was taken uh, from you know a survey, a treasury survey, and and took a look at companies below a billion and, and above a billion, and you know where they kind of spend uh, most of their time or most of the things that they worry about. And you can see in payments management, um, it's a it's a very big concern. You can see cash forecasting, it's a very big concern. Cash positioning and reporting, and you know to some extent reconciliation and accounting, and all of those things, especially payment management, speaks to the amount of time that has to be spent fixing errors and and worrying about uh, whether or not the operations are functioning correctly. And then of course, as you improve the payments management and further digitize your infrastructure, you start to get more data and you start to get that data faster, even in real time. And that improves your cash forecasting. And that includes your ability to move funds around and make liquidity decisions. So, so, so it all sort of interacts. So the problem is you know, clearly seen in this chart and the, and the answer modernization will help to uh, improve those chart results. So let me leave it there for now. Yeah, so certainly thank you for unpacking all of that, Steve. Um, and, and so kind of in, in that vein there, I mean, let's let's dive into some of that data a little bit here. And, and John, I want to get your take on this here. So clearly based upon what Steve was saying there from the data, that businesses and corporates have a well-defined need for better payment management, um, forecasting and reporting really based upon data. So the question that I've got to ask then is, are banks meeting those needs? And if not, why? That's a great question, Ryan. I, I think some of them are. You know, we have some customers that have clearly kind of jumped feet first into this digitization effort, but um, that's a small number, at least from what I've seen in the business. Um, I look at this chart and I see payments management, uh, especially on the smaller businesses, you know, the less than $1 billion. And, and you know, it's a cliche to say it, everybody's saying it. Um, people are looking for an experience similar to what they're getting in retail. Uh, and we've been saying that for a number of years now, as you know, Steve rightly points out that some of these new market entrants are, are, are really kind of taking the market by storm with their capabilities and their new platforms and kind of their fully digital approach to uh, financial services. Um, so, so it's, you look at that, what's happening kind of in that, you know, around payments, but not happening when it comes to corporate payments. Um, and I think, you know, if you think about a treasurer at a, at a, you know, any, any kind of bank, pick a bank, you know, regional super major, uh, and a lot of times they have to be experts in payments. When in a digital world, you should only have to make one or two decisions. I want it there fast or I want it there cheap. Um, and that, that isn't the case. That's not what many of these professionals are seeing every day. They're getting these drop-down menus. They're getting, you know, multiple choices. They've got to educate themselves on this when in reality, that should be the domain of, of their bank. Their bank should be doing that for them. Uh, Steve also mentioned something really interesting, uh, you know, around real time. One of the things I've seen that's been successful is taking a problem and not just trying to make it more efficient, but starting from the principle of, can we solve can we solve this in real time? So you look at you know the fourth set of the fourth part of the graph there, the reconciliation and accounting. I, and I had this question 
at a client, why don't, why don't we say, how do we reconcile our transactions and our statements in real time? Why don't we start from there and then find out where we can't do it or where we need to deal with exceptions as opposed to taking our current processes and kind of inserting an efficiency here and there. So, you know, I, I feel really strongly if with this amount of data, with the fact that it can be real time or near real time, you, the, the paradigm you start out from when it comes to improving the services to your customers has to start out with a question you may have never asked in the past. How can we do this in real time? How can I, how can I decouple for my customers their number of transactions from the number of manual interactions they take, right? If you got to ask those types of questions in order to really get uh, get to the benefit that, that you're looking for, get to probably more benefit than you actually would have expected. You know, John, you know, I, I certainly agree with everything that, that you're saying there, but I want to go back to one of the points that Steve made in terms of just legacy systems here, because I certainly think it's fantastic for a bank to sit there and think about, okay, the end user, how is it that they're going to be able to best use this? How is it going to help with their with their systems? How is it going to help with their flow better? How is it going to reduce the friction um, that this current process may currently cause? And what does that new system really look like? And how can we deliver that? But I think one of the things that kind of really handcuffs some banks is obviously the legacy systems. So it's certainly kind of easy to say that banks should replace legacy systems. But what does replacing a legacy system actually mean to you, John? And then also, what are some practical options for banks who are looking to replace? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is something I've been saying for years is, is it's what you have to look at is you have to look at it in terms of the decision maker, the guy that's actually pulling the trigger. Um, and that's a risky decision. Uh, it's a risky decision and can be a career, a career limiting decision. And I think too often they try to bite off more. They try to create too grandiose a program when when it comes to legacy. Uh, you know, again, if we just refer to that chart that uh, that was at the top of this uh, this podcast, each one of those sets of bars can represent a decommissioning of a piece of legacy software, or like and 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 the expensive associated hardware that comes with it. Uh, so I think what you need to look at is, you know, one of the one of the good things that's happening that's almost that catalyst that pushes those decision makers over the edge right now uh, are all these new payment rails that are coming on board either the the ones sponsored by the central banks or the or even some of the private global ones that are that are really doing well out there uh, that bringing on board that one new rail is a great way to start the process right how do i how do I, you know, in the U.S., it's right now. It's going to be how do I start getting ready for real-time payments? You know, the Fed sponsoring their effort. Chips has what they have. But what that gives you is it gives you a a project that isn't massive, but dips your toe in and gives you that ability to number one have a successful digitization project or program, um, show the benefits right away. And then it, it doesn't become as big a risk to the stakeholders to say, all right, how do we do this for the next set of legacy rails or, or rail or rails? And how do we just keep expanding uh, these capabilities and continuously retiring this, you know, I think Steve said it, this, this tech 
that doesn't give you any agility. Uh, it works. It's stable. People sleep well at night while it's running, but you're getting out. You're 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 getting uh, boxed out by these other players out there who maybe didn't even have that legacy. Maybe they started from scratch um, that are able to offer massive amounts of agility, massive amounts of real-time slash near real-time data to their customers. Uh, and to be fair, that's attractive. That's attractive to your customers. And if you're not thinking about that, uh, believe me, your customers are. Yeah, it's an interesting point uh, that you made about um, RTP, real-time payments. Uh, when we chatted with a bunch of uh, banks last year, you know, the larger ones that had gone ahead and um, established a project team to go ahead and make direct connections into uh, that system, we found that uh, they didn't think it was a great technical challenge, uh, but it did take a lot of time and involved so many people in the organization. And so what's happened since then is uh, third-party uh, payment providers or third-party service providers um, have started incorporating connections into that infrastructure and, and uh, offloading some of the uh, stress involved in, uh, in getting the bank ready to do that. So uh, interesting point. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the other interesting thing, Steve, about the third party players doing that. And, you know, I've seen this in programs over the last 15 or 20 years. And I equate it to the fact that, you know, we still we still have something called a wire room, um, which implies a bunch of people doing something to a bunch of payments every day when they come in. Um, you look at, you know, the other question you have to ask yourself when you when you deploy a rail or modernize one that you already have is again, start from the paradigm. How do I make this resemble a switch? How do I make it so that my manual interventions are completely decoupled from the volume that I run through this thing, right? Those are the, those are the things you have to have as a first principle when you go into this stuff, if you really wanna wring out that last bit of benefit that's, that you can get. Yeah, I certainly think that those are those are some really good points there, and and I love the 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 part that you brought up there, John, in terms of just you know realizing that hey, you, you there's certainly a lot of options that are out there for for banks um, in terms of the directions that they can go, but go with something first that's going to be manageable that you can get that win to there that can build the confidence up and say yes, okay this is a correct direction that we want to go in and we figured out, okay, this is how it is that we can do it. Now let's take those lessons learned and start to apply it down the line and slowly start to build up that stack as opposed to saying, oh, let's just rip out and replace everything right now. And that can kind of sometimes look at like, whoa, that, that seems a very daunting task. And you can sometimes get kind of buried in that. Um, and as you put it, kind of career limiting um, in that aspect. Um, but I've got to ask because I mean you've worked with quite a number of banks here, um, and you help them improve uh, their banking, uh, corporate banking offerings through payments modernizations. So, what are kind of some of the maybe bulleted keys to success that you would recommend to some of our listeners um, today that are looking uh, to begin this process? I th I think one of the key things, and this is again for the sponsorships, the people sponsoring the program. One of the things you really have to be careful about is that you're not getting what you have today just on new technology. Um, you have to be really careful about that. That's the that's probably the number one thing that extends or causes a project to go sideways. Um, you gotta be you, you gotta be working from a principle of we are embracing change. 
Uh, we're going to leverage this, this new technology to affect that change uh, and be very, very uh, cognizant of we're not re rebuilding what we have today just so we can say it's not on a mainframe. Right. That's that that has to be something at the sponsorship level. Uh, the people who have the budget have to have to um, absolutely be committed to that or you will end up uh, with something that works, of course. But I don't think you'll get that you know, maximum benefit out of it if if, if it is approached as kind of a, a tech refresh. So when you uh, so, John, when you think when when you know, when I review things around corporates and, and how they implement, which, of course, the banks have to do that on their behalf. Uh, very often, uh, they, they might be thinking of digital processes themselves, um, but, but they're not implementing them sort of across the organization or implementing point solutions. Um, how, do you, how do you think the banks should go ahead and approach that and, and convince them that, uh, you know, taking an end-to-end -end look is, is more valuable? Than, than just solving for one financial operations issue. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, uh, again, I think a, a successful digitization program, you know, can massively impact those, you know, those first four sets of columns in your chart there. You know, as I said, I, 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 I asked my guys the question, why can't we do all of this in real time? And tell me, tell me why, and I, why better be a very, very good answer? Um, so, so, you know, the data is there, Steve. We know it's there. The, you know, the new standards have increased the payloads. Uh, we've got to just coach those corporates up and say, here's how you take advantage of this, right? Most of them have, are going to have some systems, all right? Formats are different, but even that's starting to converge. It's been a long time coming, but they're starting to converge. Um, and how do you leverage that significantly richer data to, you know, automate as much of, you know, for instance, your back office as you can, right? That's, that should be a goal. Um, you know, you talk about real time, you talk about near real time, you got to use it. You, you've got to kind of design your processes around that, not design, uh, not design your processes around how you do it today, uh, just on new technology. As, as I said, that's the number one thing that, that, that kind of uh, reduces the, the amount of benefit you can get out of these types of programs. Yeah, so John, I, I really like that aspect in terms of just, you know, kind of coaching up the corporates. And, and to that, that extent there, I know that your organization, Volante Technologies and Mercator Advisor Group, uh, recently published a very insightful document that kind of focuses around the topic that we're talking about to here today. So we're going to make sure that we have a form provided for individuals to download that document uh, in the article below. Uh, so again, those of you who are following along on paymentsjournal.com, you'll be able to view both the chart and the uh, get access to the document. Um, um, down below. Uh, so John, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time today for speaking to me about digital modernization in corporate banking. And I hope to have both of you back on the podcast real soon. Thanks, Ryan. My Thanks, Steve. My pleasure. Thanks.